Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Friday, March 6th edition of Bang the Book Radio. My name is Adam Burke, your host for however long we want to go here on today's show. We've got two guests joining me on the program. The first professional handicapper, Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com and also bettersportspicks.com. We're talking about five conference tournaments here. One of them will go very quickly, the America East. But we'll talk about the SOCON, the Colonial, the Sun Belt, and the Summit here on today's segment with Kyle. Then in the second part of today's show, we'll chat about this weekend in college hoops with Greg Peterson of VSIN and the Hooping with Hoops podcast. We'll spend most of the time with him talking about the major conferences, the ones that haven't started conference tournaments yet, and the games that they have coming up here for this weekend. Over at bangthebook.com, we are your one-stop shop for sports betting news and information. 14 conference tournament previews have gone up so far over there out of the 32. Just posted the Sun Belt and the America East on uh, Thursday afternoon. We'll be working through the rest of those here once we get the end of the regular season. Once we get some more odds coming out for those. The MAC Conference Tournament starting here on Monday. So that'll be the next one that goes up over there. And then obviously a mad dash to get all of the major conference tournament previews out. Also over there at the website, my 2020 MLB betting guide, which you can download in PDF form. Or if you head on over to Amazon, you can get that there as well. I believe it's the MLB betting season preview for 2020 over on Amazon. So please check that out. Also at the website, though, we've got daily NHL, daily college basketball, NBA, weekly golf, NASCAR, soccer, tennis, UFC. You name it, we got it over at bangthebook.com. And finally, as you know, this and every edition of Bang the Book Radio presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook. BTV and the number 200 is that promo code. 100% 100% deposit match bonus for the sports book, 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. Two guests on the program here today, and we welcome our good friend Kyle Hunter of huntersportspicks.com and also bettersportspicks.com. Kyle, how's it going today, man? It's going all right, man. Uh, better than earlier this week. Um, you know, hated to have to miss earlier this week and what is basically my favorite week uh, that we talk about conference tournaments. So glad we were able to do a, a segment here. Um, you know, I kind of have, have had a rough time of it with the uh, recovery from the surgery. And then uh, my son who, who has had some health issues and, and gets sick pretty often got sick. And then I got it from them, of course. And it's been a bit of a uh, challenging period here to say the very least, but I don't want to uh, complain or anything. Let's uh, let's talk about some of these conference tournaments. Yeah, let's do it. I know that it was important to you to try and get a segment done here this week, and we'll try to get another one next week on Monday and talk about a lot more conference tournaments. But before we get into specifics about the leagues and the conferences that we're going to be looking at here, I know there were some general conference tournament things that you want to throw out there for our listeners. Yeah, in general, I wanted to say that unders on neutral sites, um, this is both in the regular season at the beginning of the year and in conference tournaments, you want to lean to the under, everybody's going to be thinking that way. So if you like the under, you're going to want to play it early. Um, you're going to see some drastic line moves here this time of the year. I, I guarantee it's going to happen where you know you see a under 140 and an hour later it's under 134. You know, that type of thing is going to be far more common this time of the year than what it has been in the regular season. And it's also something that I think you should keep in mind that first half unders can be a good way to look as well. I mean, um, I'm pretty good evidence of that, you know, at this point. I've lost so many games that have gone into overtime. 
I think it's 13 or 14 um, unders have lost because of overtime now after, um, you know, I had Tennessee State and Moorhead State as the most recent one. That, I mean, it, to be honest, it's pretty discouraging. You know, first half unders are a good way to look as well, especially in these neutral site games because, you know, especially when you're not accustomed to that shooting backdrop, um, you know, it could take you a bit of time to get into it. I know some people don't like betting first half unders. Usually I take full games just because, you know, there's going to be less complaints. Hey, you know, my book doesn't have it or I don't want to do that. But in general, if you're able to take first half unders, I also think it's a good idea, even if you like the full game, to take part of it on the first half. Because then, you know, you, you uh, spread your risk a little bit more evenly. Final thing I wanted to say about that is, you know, two teams that are really, really bad playing in a um, neutral site, very good for the under. Um, this has been a good, really good long-term trend. I looked at this one in Bet Labs database. Uh, you take two teams that have a winning percentage of about 35% or lower. So two teams that are really, really bad playing against each other in a neutral site, you get some pretty low scoring games. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Yeah, and of course, let's keep in mind here too that you know you do have the America East Conference Tournament, which starts this weekend. That one's at campus sites. You've got the first round games for the MAC. You've got the first three rounds for the Sun Belt, which we'll talk about here in a couple of minutes. The quarterfinals for the SWAC, those are all on campus sites. But otherwise, we're getting rid of a lot of the conference tournaments now that have campus site games because we're getting into the bigger ones. So now you start talking about a lot of those neutral sites. You start talking about a lot of larger venues as well. So definitely something for all of our listeners to keep in mind here. Let's talk about a conference tournament that is exclusively at a neutral site. It is the Harrah's Cherokee Center in Asheville, North Carolina. That is the new name of the U.S. Cellular Center. This is still the same venue here for the SOCON, the Southern Conference Tournament. This one starts on Friday, which is why we're starting with it here on today's segment. East Tennessee State is your favorite. They're plus 105 out at Circa. I saw minus 110 at five dimes. I saw minus 115 at uh, both Bet Online and I believe Bovada. Um, actually, minus 120 at Bet Online. But East Tennessee State is the favorite here. Furman, the two seed. UNC Greensboro, the three seed. Mercer, four. Western Carolina, five. Wofford, the seven seed at 22 to one out there at Circa. But Wofford not on par with the team that we had last year. So very good conference, very top-heavy conference, but it looks like East Tennessee State gets very fortunate with the draw here to avoid Furman, Greensboro, and Wofford. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think East Tennessee State's not a great value at minus 110 or minus 115 or something, plus money maybe. Um, I like East Tennessee State quite a bit as a team, and I really like Forbes as a coach there. Um, This is a team I've been high on for a long time. This is a loaded SOCON, though. There are some really good teams here. Uh, UNC Greensboro and Furman being on the other side, a big benefit to East Tennessee State here. And even Wofford, who I know that it sounds funny to say they're a seven seed and they could be a bit dangerous, but look at what they've been losing by in their games here at the end. What did they lose their last seven games? They lost by one point. Um, at Furman, I mean, obviously Furman's a very good team. They lost in overtime at UNC Greensboro. They lost by six at home to East Tennessee State. They they beat Furman at home by 14 points earlier this year. They beat Greensboro in double overtime at home. So I think Wofford's capable of winning a couple games here. It wouldn't stun me, you know, if they 
if they go and pull an upset against Furman in that second game. So, you know, maybe you want to take a money line rollover with Wofford uh, and then just stop whenever you want. I mean, I don't think they'll lose to Citadel. They'll be a big favorite in that game. Uh, you know, take a chance against Furman. And it wouldn't be stunning if, if they um, beat Greensboro or Chattanooga either. The other thing I wanted to point out here, Greensboro and Chattanooga is a really quick revenge spot. Um, if you look at the final game in the regular season, you had uh, UNC Greensboro losing to Chattanooga in the season finale. Greensboro had nothing to play for in that game. They had just lost the previous game that ruined their chance of winning the the conference. So um, when they go to Chattanooga, that, that game meant a lot more to Chattanooga than it did to UNC Greensboro. That's not the case now. Um, I think I would lean toward laying the points there with UNC Greensboro in that, in that matchup there uh, against Chattanooga in the first game. So I think that could be a good single game wager. Um, I would like to be able to find value uh, here somewhere. I like Western Carolina as a team. I think Prosser's done a really good team uh, job with this offense and they nearly beat East Tennessee state in the final game on the road. My concern about them is, you know, they, they didn't actually beat any of the best teams in this league. They came close to beating them, but they beat up on the teams who weren't as good here in this league. Um, I think, like I said, a money line rollover long shot with Wofford is worth a small stab. If you really want to, you know, put a little lunch money on something, I see Western Carolina at plus 2,800 on Bovada. I think that's probably worth just a little bit. Uh, and I certainly don't think they're going to go and, and run through this tournament or anything. But I do think the SoCon is good enough that I'm a, a bit afraid to take East Tennessee State at a minus money price. Well, and something worth mentioning here, you mentioned Western Carolina as a team that's kind of on your radar a little bit. As you said, plus 2,800 at Bovada. They're 2,300 at Five Dimes. They're 2,200 at Bet Online. They're actually 1,800 out at the Circa Sportsbook mm. in Las Vegas. So this is one of those examples of why it's critically important to shop around for the best prices. And it's not just because of the return that you get if one of these teams happens to win the conference tournament but it's really critically important from a hedging standpoint because then, you know, you've got more opportunity on the back end to make a hedge if you want to. Moneyline rollovers obviously come into play, and we'll talk about those uh, with some other conference tournaments here, but it is imperative that you try to get the best price that you can for so many different reasons. It absolutely is, and it's something that we harp on, and I think that, you know, it's it's a point that deserves to be harped on quite a bit. You know, I don't think most people realize how important that difference is between plus 2,800 and plus 1,800. Let's say you take Western Carolina plus 2,800 here. And again, like I said, if you take this, don't put a lot of money on it. Don't don't uh, uh, put everything on it and think that they're going to make this huge run. I do think uh, Western Carolina could beat Mercer in that game. And then you know, you give them at least some kind of puncher's chance to beat East Tennessee State in the next game. At the same time, if Western Carolina pulls that upset, um, do I really love their chances of beating Furman or UNC Greensboro or whoever they play in that last game? I don't, I don't think I would. You know, I think that'd be a, a spot where you'd want to be able to hedge out. And like you said, you know, having that better price is really important then. Yeah, it really is. And one other thing to note about this tournament, and it's very important to check on this as well with conference tournaments. Look at the schedule. Look at the timing of these games. Because, you know, for example here, you've got East Tennessee State playing on Saturday at noon against the winner of the 8-9 game, VMI and Samford. They play at 5 o'clock on Friday night. Very quick turnaround for the winner of that game to play East Tennessee State at noon. 
The semifinal game on Sunday, the first one is at four. So East Tennessee State gets done around you know two o'clock Eastern time or so. They've got more than a 24-hour turnaround. The winner of Mercer and Western Carolina does not. And furthermore, it's even bigger with the Furman versus Wofford and Citadel winner than the Greensboro-Chattanooga game. That Greensboro-Chattanooga game probably won't end until about 11. They'll play the semifinal game on Sunday at 6.30, whereas Furman's going to be done around 8 or so. So it's always important to look at that, too. And in particular this year, because we spring forward with daylight savings time Saturday night into Sunday morning. So it's even an hour less for some of these teams with that turnaround. And if you're playing a third game in three days, something like that, maybe you would think that college kids would be immune to it, but I'm not so sure. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, Never a big fan of springing forward. You know, I hate hate losing that hour of sleep, especially when it's uh, such a busy time here. But um, I think that's a really good point, especially when you go down to like UNC Greensboro and Chattanooga, like you said, and then you turn around and play um, that quick the next day, uh, that can definitely make a difference. All right, so let's take a look here at the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. I've been waiting on odds all damn day for this thing, and Circa finally posted them. And this is going to be a discussion for another day because you and I are going to have the chance to bitch about this at some point. But I mean, Circa's ruined the offshore market because the offshores won't post now until they see what Circa's doing, what Circa's got. And then, of course, they'll adjust their hold percentage accordingly. But, man, I remember we, we used to get odds for these conference tournaments first from five dimes or bet online or somebody. Now everybody just waits on Circa. I mean, from a content standpoint, it's not awesome for me. For doing the show, it's very difficult. But man, these offshores, just there is very little risk tolerance this year. Yeah, it, it makes it difficult. You know, I wish that we had a better chance to talk about odds uh, I hope that next week when we talk, we'll be able to talk quite a few. Fortunately, I think those will be a little bit easier because they're bigger uh, conferences and everybody will have those out more. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, it'd be nice to be able to compare odds here in the Sun Belt, but we don't really have anything to compare with. We can tell you what Circa has, and that's about it. Um, I know most people can't bet Circa's lines, So, you know, uh, we'll, we'll talk in general a little bit here. But I think, you know, if you look at the Sun Belt, it's interesting to see that Little Rock and South Alabama are the number one and two seeds. Texas State losing to South Bama in that last game um, put South Bama in the two seed. And they get a bye all the way to the semifinals through the top two teams, which, you know, that, that triple bye is really something else. I mean, you know, quite the advantage. Um, I do think that, ironically, I, I think I would um, say that Texas State, um, definitely my favorite team here in this league, and plus 260. At Circa, I actually think Georgia State might be the second best team in this league. So the two teams that are the three and four seeds, I think, are better than the the one and two seeds here in this conference, which makes it interesting. And honestly, it makes it one where you would think you could find some good opportunities. So I'm a little bit bummed that we don't have more odds to talk about. I like um, Texas State as a veteran team that can defend. Uh, Pearson's a really good player, uh, best player in the Sun Belt, I would say. Um, that's my favorite play plus 260. If you're looking for a long shot in this conference here, um, UT Arlington. I mean, I wish they weren't on the same side as Texas State, but Arlington plays in the very first day, um, March 7th, and then they would play Coastal Carolina and then App State. It won't surprise me if uh, Arlington wins a couple games here. Azor is a good player for them. Um, Arlington plays good enough defense that I think they could be a bit of a dangerous out here. Um, 
So if I'm looking for a long shot to try to win a couple games, I think Arlington would be one I would look for. But in general, I think that you can beat the top two seeds here. It would surprise me a little bit if either Little Rock or South Bama wins this conference tournament. Um, you know, obviously they they have a big advantage in that they're all the way to the semifinals. But I do think that there's a good chance somebody else wins this conference tournament. Yeah, I'll say this. You know, as a general rule, being able to, you know, get that double buy is something, or a triple buy in this case, as a general rule, I think that's very important. In this conference tournament, I don't think it is. Another time where you want to look at the schedule, you want to take a look at what's going on here, games begin on Saturday. The first two rounds and the quarterfinals, so the first three rounds, played at campus sites. So games are March 7th, March 9th, March 11th. No back-to-backs. Nothing to really worry about for those teams that have to play early. Maybe if you start playing three games in five days like a UT Arlington could, that's maybe where you start to worry a little bit. But Texas State and Georgia State. Now, Texas State is the favorite, as you said, at plus 260. Georgia State is the third favorite, plus 385. Arkansas Little Rock, actually the second favorite, plus 290. But I think the three and four seeds, Georgia State and Texas State, actually get an advantage over the teams that have a triple buy. They play on Wednesday night. We'll see who they wind up playing, but they play Wednesday night, March 11th, and they play at home. For the semifinals, this conference tournament shifts to New Orleans, where it's played at the Smoothie King Center, a different venue here. This is where the New uh, the, the New Orleans Pelicans play. It's not at Lakefront Arena anymore, but Little Rock and South Alabama have to go 11 days between games. Whereas Georgia State and Texas State play on Wednesday night, shake off the rust, get a game under their belts, a game that both of them probably wind up winning, they're going to be the team in better rhythm going into Saturday, March 14th for the semifinal games. I like Georgia State. I have nothing against anybody that likes Texas State. I think both Little Rock and South Alabama are very, very vulnerable here. I think either the three or four seed wins this conference tournament. I think so, too. I think, you know, putting a a wager on both of those makes some sense, too. I mean, because then if you feel fairly strongly that the one and two seeds are a bit weak here, and I think you just made a good argument that, you know, this is not one of those spots where you're playing four days in a row or you're playing three days in a row. Uh, The fact that they've taken such a long break actually makes it awkward for them where a team like Georgia State, Texas State, they're kind of playing in a normal rhythm like they normally would. You know, this is the typical... Uh, two or three days between games that they would have during the regular season. So it's not the big disadvantage that it looks like it would be. And again, keep in mind here, this one is in a much bigger venue for the semifinals and the championship games. So maybe that lends itself to some unders. Obviously those are very scary with, you know, the winner go home foul fest scenario in the second half, but maybe a first half under something like that. And in particular, I'll say this, even if maybe you don't like little rock, or, I mean, maybe you don't like Georgia State or Texas State. First half, having just played a game, I've got to think they're going to be more in rhythm than their opponents, in particular with their opponents playing in this new venue that they're not accustomed to. Maybe first half unders, or at the very least, I think you take the higher seed, the three and four seeds, or even if it's a you know five, six, seven, eight seed, doesn't really matter to me. I think that the two low seeds here, the one and the two, very vulnerable full game and first half. Once we get to the semifinals on March 14th. Agree. I think uh, first half is a good way to look at it too, because 
like you said, they've got rust from a long time where the other team is, is more accustomed to their normal routine. Well, and I think that we can kind of illustrate this point about different arenas a little bit more here for the Colonial Athletic Association tournament. This one starts here on Saturday, March 7th. The bottom four seeds play, and then they uh, wind up advancing to Sunday or going home at the end of their seasons. The top six seeds play on Sunday as well in that quarterfinal round. But this conference tournament goes from North Charleston Coliseum, which sat about 12,000, to the entertainment and sports arena in the Congress Heights area of Washington, D.C., and it seats about 4,000. Much, much different venue here. Yeah, I hate to see that change, to be honest with you, because the Charleston Coliseum was good for unders. Um, I don't know what to make of the new venue, so I don't really have any great insight about it. I think that, you know, when you go to a smaller place like that, something that's closer to what you've been playing in, I would assume that, you know, it wouldn't be quite as good for the under as what the previous um, venue was. So uh, we'll see how that works out. But, you know, it being a change here, I'm not really sure what to expect. I think that this is a conference tournament that, you know, you talk about this conference in the past, there were some really good teams here. I think this conference is down quite a bit. You know, we talk about the SOCON being a lot better than what it's been. I think the CAA is quite a bit weaker. And, uh, you know, Hofstra has the number one seed, uh, a deserving number one seed, a couple really good scorers. Uh, I don't think Hofstra is a dominating team. I mean, it's not a team that I'm really confident will just run right through this conference tournament. I really wish Charleston was somebody somewhere else on this bracket. You know, Grant Riller is probably the best player in this conference. And Charleston is a team that I still think is capable of making a run. The problem is when you start looking at these things, and this is something that that Adam and I have talked about now for years, is you really just have to see where a team lands on a bracket. I mean, you can't just predetermine that you think a certain team is going to to run through that conference tournament. It really sucks that they have to play a pretty good Delaware team in the first game, and then they'd have to play Hofstra if they win that one, and then play you know another good team in the championship. So I don't think it sets up very well for Charleston. Uh, you know, it's a team that I would have liked to have been able to back. Uh, their their number is not good enough. I think you know a lot of them are plus four hundred, plus four fifty on Charleston. Not not a good enough price. I think Circa is a little bit better, but still not one that I really like that much. Um, the odds makers want us to take William and Mary, right? I mean, they're they're a high seed. They're plus seven fifty at Bovada, plus seven ninety five at Circa. I mean, probably the best price grab available. You know, you've got uh, Knight, a really good defensive player there for William and Mary. They have a good first matchup. Do I really think they're going to win this conference tournament? Um, probably not. Uh, the thing that concerns me about William and Mary is they play Northeastern if Northeastern beats Towson in that first game. And Northeastern's a team that I had kind of circled that I wanted to bet in this conference tournament. Uh, a team that, honestly, I thought they might be the best team in this conference. And I, I think a lot of people thought they were at least top two or three in this conference. They really struggled a lot. Still think they're very capable of making a run. But, you know, you see plus 275, plus 280 on their odds. I mean, you have to take a money line rollover if you want Northeastern. That, that price is definitely not good enough. Yeah, and it's kind of ironic because I sort of went the other way in my preview there where I kind of thought a money line rollover on Towson looked kind of interesting to where they're probably a slight dog, maybe a point, point and a half, something like that, when they take on Northeastern. Then they would play probably William & Mary. I assume William & Mary beats the winner of Elon and James Madison. Then they'd wind up playing Hofstra there probably in the championship game to the point where 
I think a money line rollover on Towson probably pays back maybe somewhere in the six, six and a half, seven to one range. Well, right now their futures price out there in the four or five range. So a Towson money line rollover, I think, does make some sense here, at least as far as the Tigers go. But I mean, this is a tough conference because a lot of these teams are, are relatively interchangeable. They're mostly better at offense and weaker on defense. Northeastern is the best defensive team here, which is why they wind up being the second favorite. I guess my thought process was sort of outside of a money line rollover of Towson. Maybe you just go ahead and take Hofstra at two to one because with a smaller venue, I would like to think that it probably benefits offense, right? Well, Hofstra's got the best offense in this conference. So maybe that gives them a leg up here on everybody else. But again, I mean, these teams are so interchangeable. I think one through six, if any of them won it, I wouldn't be the least bit shocked. No, I wouldn't be either. And, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't love taking Hofstra. I think the price, you know, is just not wonderful. Um, I, I don't think there's that much separating these teams one through six. And that's what concerns me about taking something here. Um, you know, like I said, I think Riller is capable of taking over and winning this conference tournament for Charleston. Um, you know, you have... Bowie and Pemberton for Hofstra, who are very good players. Uh, Jordan Rowland for Northeastern. Uh, There's some good players in this conference, but there's not really good teams like there has been in the past. And I think whoever wins this conference tournament is going to be a fairly, you know, uh, what, a 14 seed or something like that. And they're not going to be much of a danger to the team that they play in the NCAA tournament. Last thing I'll ask you about here, and then we'll transfer over to the Summit League, like I said, it's a much different venue. As you said, you know, this used to be a stone cold under type of conference tournament in that big venue. Will you make assumptions about this new venue or will you need, you know, a year plus of data points before you kind of decide, okay, yeah, maybe scoring will be up here. Well, I won't be anxious to take overs. I'd rather wait and see, but if they blindly bet these down hard, like they do some of the other conference tournaments that are, that are in the tough venues. And sometimes that does happen. Maybe, you know, you see one where um, a conference tournament, there's games getting bet down five or six points across the board. If they do the same thing here, I'll, I'll be tempted to take a couple overs here, especially if it's involving a team like a, a Charleston that has a really good offense. Northeastern has a good offense. They don't play very fast, but, you know, efficient offense, Hofstra, a good offense. You know, you get a Hofstra Charleston game and somebody wants to bet it way down. I might take a chance on that. I would say that I'll, in general, be more cautious about betting totals here, though. Real quickly, before we get to the Summit League, which is in the same venue and does have a trend to it, the new venues this year, the American Athletic Conference, which we'll talk about next week, that one's down in Fort Worth, Texas now at Dickey's Arena. So that's a new one. The CAA, as we just talked about, a new venue for that one. The Horizon League goes from Detroit, to now being on IUPUI's home floor. The Jaguars already got knocked out in the campus game, so they won't have any kind of home court advantage. And obviously the teams play at IUPUI once a year, so that's not a new venue. The Ivy League, that's on on, uh, Harvard's campus now. That's a new venue for that one. The MAAC is not in Albany anymore. That one's in Atlantic City at Boardwalk Hall, so we'll be able to talk about that one next week. The SWAC is still being played in Birmingham, but now on UAB's campus as opposed to wherever it previously was. And the Sun Belt, which we talked about already, that one goes from Lakefront Arena to the Smoothie King Center where the Pelicans play. But again, 
the first three rounds in that conference tournament at the on-campus sites. Always important to know where these conference tournaments are being played, not just from a totals perspective, but Kyle, as you and I were talking about here before we started recording, you know, with the AAC now down in the state of Texas, as opposed to being, you know, where it previously was up in the Northeast. I think it was in Hartford a couple of times. It was in Memphis a couple of times in Orlando once that helps a team like SMU, which is right in Dallas. That helps a team like Houston, not having to travel as far. It's important to keep those things in mind because some fan bases may actually show up now. Yeah, that's definitely a big difference. I mean, uh, especially that AAC move, like you said, you know, you go from Hartford to to Texas. That's quite the move. It hurts a team like UConn, you know, a team like uh, Cincinnati is not near as close to home. They were never, you know, terribly close to home. But, you know, those teams in Texas get a pretty good advantage from things like that. And I think that shows up also more over time. You know, you play multiple games and you're that close to home. You have fans there all the time. You know, it's easier to have one good game away on the road uh, than it is to be able to string together several. So I think that's definitely important. All right. So we go to the Summit League Conference Tournament here again. This is a one bid league. This one at the Denny Sanford Premier Center in Sioux Falls. And, And let's go ahead and start with that, because the reputation of this conference is that it's all offense and no defense. And that's, I mean, that reputation is true. It's just that when you get into these conference tournaments, um, now we're playing at a neutral site that's a bit bigger venue than what they're used to. And the games are a lot more important. So you get a little bit less of the freewheeling, fast-paced games than what you normally would here in the Summit. And a lot of teams in this conference shoot a lot of three-pointers. So um, usually very good shooting teams. Uh, the bigger venue is harder on them, and then obviously there's some better defense being played. The under is 33 and 23 at this venue, and quite a few of these unders were pretty far under. So I do think this is a pretty good under venue. Uh, that's something to keep in mind as you look here at the Summit League because we'll see what the market wants to do with it. The market knows that the Summit League is a high-scoring league normally. I imagine that they won't just bet up these numbers because they're neutral site games, but I wonder if they might not get bet down as much as they should. So we'll see about this. Uh, This would be one where I would look to lean toward unders. Uh, You'll want the number to be pretty high because, you know, in the summit league, you don't want to have under 130 or something. I mean, you know, that you're going to be in trouble with that. But I think in general, as I look at this conference, I don't think anybody's that great. Um, This is one that we've talked about a little bit here throughout the year, not a ton. I think that uh, South Dakota is probably my favorite look in this conference. Um, plus 500 on DraftKings. I think plus 500 on Circa as well. They beat South Dakota State easily at home this year. Led most of the game on the road. Tyler, Hager, Tyler Hagerdorn is, is one of the best uh, players in this conference. This team, the thing I like about South Dakota is while they are very good at shooting threes, they're first in getting to the free throw line in the conference. So they shoot the three well, but they're not as dependent on it as a team like North Dakota State. I think South Dakota could make a run here. Obviously, the venue is not a bad place for them either. So, um, you know, I think South Dakota plus 500 is my favorite play in this one. I wouldn't want to take a favorite at plus 200 or plus 180 or something. I think this is, this is pretty wide open for the first four teams in this conference tournament. This is pretty wide open. And, you know, for South Dakota State here, I mean, they kind of screwed themselves the last week of the year. We talked about this spot for them. I want to say it was two weeks ago on the show. South Dakota State was playing North Dakota State, and it was effectively a game for first place in the conference. 
North Dakota State had a game in hand. It was the last game for the Jackrabbits. They lose in overtime 71-69, to wind up eventually losing the number one seed because North Dakota State won their final game. Now South Dakota State draws South Dakota in that likely semifinal matchup as opposed to playing like an Oral Roberts or an Omaha, something like that. So they really screwed themselves the last week of the year because now they wind up with that rivalry game as opposed to an Oral Roberts or a Nebraska-Omaha, a team that they probably would have had a little bit easier of a time with. What worries me about this conference, and I do like South Dakota State a little bit just because they are the best team in this league. It's so wide open. It's so high variance because, as you just said, these teams love to chuck from three. So you're going to get a high variance environment with a lot of points, potentially some high scores. And if you don't shoot well in a one and done format, you are SOL. So it's tough, as you said, to take a South Dakota state or a North Dakota state in that two to one range, because there's a chance that they just don't shoot. Well, North Dakota state is the best defensive team in this conference. So maybe that helps them. But if you don't shoot, well, you're getting picked off here. The problem is, there is no equity in a team like Oral Roberts either. You know, South Dakota's borderline type of price, maybe a money line rollover works out for them. There's yeah. just no value to be had here in this conference, I don't think. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is I don't even know that plus 500 is good enough compared to a money line rollover. I do kind of like South Dakota. I think their first uh, game there against North Dakota is a pretty good matchup for them. And, you know, they've proven that they can match up pretty well with South Dakota State. You know, as I'm looking at the prices here, I, I don't have the rest of them in front of me, but I do see Circa has plus 2,200 on Omaha. It's a little surprising to me that Omaha would be plus 2,200, and so is Oral Roberts. I mean, maybe I'm missing something, but, you know, they play each other in the first game, and then they would play North Dakota State. Um, I, I don't think Oral Roberts would, as a shoe end to beat Omaha in that first game. So I think you know, plus 2200 on Omaha is an interesting price. Uh, you know, if I were going to take some big long shot just on the futures price, that would probably be the one I'd take. And it's always a bummer, too, that, you know, when you've got a bottom of the conference that is as bad as this one, you just don't get those mid-range value prices, you know? And, right. and that makes it so tough. I mean, yeah, maybe a South Dakota money line rollover is fine because they wind up playing the top two teams in this conference. There'll be a dog in both of those games. So you probably get better than five to one on your return with a money line rollover, but there's just, there's just not much in that league. And you know, it's, it's, it's tough to, to try and find value in those. And we try to find value in all 32 of the conference tournaments here, both in the articles at bangthebook.com and on the show. But you know, sometimes you just, you just can't force something. Right. And I mean, you know, hopefully we're able to help, even if we don't give you a team that we think is going to win it by, you know, telling you the venues that are better for unders, uh, looking at situational spots, like you said, times of game, things like that. And I think there's, uh, you know, single game wager um, things that you can look at ahead of time, uh, how teams match up with certain teams. Like I said, I think South Dakota, South Dakota matches up pretty well with North Dakota there in that first game. I'd probably lean toward laying the points. Um, I don't know what the line would be, South Dakota and South Dakota State. I'd have to look at that one, but I would probably lean South Dakota and that one as well. But, you know, North Dakota State, a team that's been very um, dependent on shooting the three ball. I would hate to lay too big of a price with them. I think they're a good team. I don't think they're a great team. So, you know, Summit League, pretty wide open, uh, would definitely look toward unders more than anything else here. 
One more conference to take a real quick look at here, and this will be a very quick look because probably not a ton of value in the America East Conference. Circa the only book <laughs> at time of recording that has odds for this one here. Vermont is a minus $5 favorite. Stony Brook plus 580. Hartford plus 3,000. UMBC, as we know, knocked off Virginia a couple of years ago. They are 40 to 1. New Hampshire, 45 to 1. UMass Lowell, 80 to 1. And then on down from there. You can't really lay minus 500 in a conference tournament, but does anybody actually beat Vermont here? I'd be stunned. I'd be really surprised. I mean, I don't know if you're about to come out here and make some bold statement that, you know, UMass Lowell is going to run the table or something, but I I can't do that. So, you know, I know that um, Stony Brook beat Vermont. uh, I believe that was at Vermont. Yeah, and then Vermont went back and beat Stony Brook on the road. So Stony Brook, you know, is the second favorite for a reason. Uh, UMBC is a well-coached team. Obviously, they're capable of pulling an upset. Um, it's going to surprise me quite a bit. You know, if you look at this conference, uh, the two best players in the conference, clearly, not even close, Anthony Lamb's number one, Steph Smith's number two. So both of them play on Vermont's team. It's going to be really hard to beat them. And, uh, you know, obviously where this conference tournament is being played to where uh, you know, Vermont's going to have home court advantage. Uh, I think that makes it very difficult. I I will say this. If I had to do anything here in this conference, and again, all we have are circuit numbers, and I know the offshores are going to come out lower than this. UMass Lowell at 80 to 1 is kind of interesting <laughs> to me. They're not beating Vermont. I understand that. But I think they could beat Hartford, and I think they could beat Stony Brook. I mean, they're a very efficient offensive team as far as this conference goes. They are horrendous defensively. So they've got to shoot really, really well. But at 80 to 1 on the opposite side of Vermont, I'm intrigued. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't. So uh, somehow I knew that you kind of like UMass Lowell with how you've been saying it ahead of time there. I mean, the price I can understand. Um, like you said, I'm afraid what's going to happen here is we see a price here on Circa of, you know, 80 to 1, and then it's going to come out at, you know, 40 to 1 or something like that. I, on the offshores. I hope I'm wrong, but you know, at that price, I couldn't blame you. Uh, I don't think they're going to be Vermont. Neither do you. Um, this is, this is one that it's pretty easy to gloss over pretty quickly. I think Vermont is likely to be that team that, you know, people will probably talk about them quite a bit again, as they have the last few years as being a very dangerous team in the first game in the NCAA tournament. I mean, what's a money line on Vermont against UMass Lowell, like minus 2000, something like that. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, so, I mean, it's I mean, so you can hedge to, into an 80 to one if yeah. you want. But, you know, obviously that's kind of a difficult thing to do. And, you know, that's why it's kind of prohibitive usually to go against those big favorites unless you get super lucky. Uh, one of those teams winds up hitting the jackpot for you. But damn it, man, it was great to get you back on the show here. I'm glad we were able to talk at least a handful of conferences here. And hopefully we'll be able to do it again on Monday with Kyle Hunter of huntersportspicks.com and bettersportspicks.com. What's up at those two websites right now, man? So first off, uh, huntersportspicks.com. We've got the Basketball Fanatic. That's all NBA and all CBB plays discounted to 549 bucks right now. Uh, so you can check that one out at huntersportspicks.com. Go over to bettersportspicks.com. You can sign up for the free members area. Look for some free first half plays coming on that site here in the, in the next couple weeks. Conference tournaments, big dance, like I said. You know, some people don't really like playing first half games. I know others really like uh, taking those first halves and it's something that I've done well in. So 
I'm going to try to be playing some uh, first half games for free there. You can sign up for the free members area with a free registration. There's also a free pick newsletter there at bettersportspicks.com as well. So um, there'll be plenty of free information here going up here for the rest of basketball season. Well, I think bang the book radio is the cure for what ails you because you sound better already since <laughs> we started this segment. But uh, great to get you on here, man. I hope you continue to be on the mend and uh, hopefully we'll get to talk to you again on Monday. Sounds good, man. Thank you. There you go. There's Kyle Hunter, professional handicapper over at huntersportspicks.com and bettersportspicks.com. All right, just want to give an update here at the end of the show. Got my wires crossed with Greg Peterson. I we Our schedules just wound up not lining up here for today's show. That was my fault. That was on me. So I apologize for that. But at least we got to talk there with Kyle Hunter about those conference tournaments. We got some stuff coming up here for this weekend, closing out the regular season in the major conferences, ACC, Big Ten, Big East, SEC, Pac-12, all those types of things. We did talk on Thursday's show with John Ryan about some thoughts in the Big East in the and the Big Ten. So I would suggest that you go back and check that out with him. And, of course, I've got my situational betting article over at bangthebook.com for you to look at as well. Coming up on our Monday edition of the program, I'll do the Betters Box, my MLB betting podcast with a look at the National League West during the Five and Fly segment. Then we'll chat once again, hopefully, with Kyle Hunter of huntersportspicks.com about some of the conference tournaments coming up next week. There are 19 of those, so we'll get to as many of those as we can with Kyle on that Monday edition of the program. And keep in mind, no Thursday, Friday shows next week or the following week with all the conference tournament stuff, as well as the first couple round or the first round of March Madness. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again on Monday.